you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza. And for those of you that have been listening, sending in questions and comments, thank you so much. And please continue to help spread the word that every Monday from 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time, this show will bring on special guests that can inspire, educate, and in some cases entertain, while bringing answers and options to making our lives happier, healthier, and more successful. And if you can't listen live, know that all of our shows can be found at answers.network. And I want you to know that I would really appreciate if you would go to that site and just do me a favor, forward one of our shows to your social media group and to someone you know who can benefit from a particular subject. We've had hundreds of shows now, so I'm sure that there is a subject that will help you or someone you love. So today we're going to go with a question that was sent to us, um, and it was actually sent to us uh, some months ago when we started asking for questions. And uh, this question came in asking, said, over the last two and a half years, our family-owned business has been devastated by COVID lockdowns, higher taxes, higher supply costs, and a greater difficulty to hire and keep good employees. Can you please bring on a guest that can help the small business owners survive and once again thrive? And this is from Robert in Los Angeles, California. Well, Robert, it sounds like you and many of us are going to have to get more creative if that's going to happen. So joining us to answer this question and more is Stephen Kowalski, Ph.D., He's a leading voice in the global movement for conscious creativity with more than 25 years of experience as an organizational development expert. Through his firm, Creative License Consulting Services, he works with clients to shape organizational cultures and reinvigorate how teams co-create new value. As a coach, speaker, and consultant partner, he facilitates the creativity of scientists, engineers, business leaders, and professionals across many industries. Stephen holds a PhD in adult learning and organizational creativity from UCLA and is the author of more than 100 workplace learning programs. Stephen, welcome to Answers Network. Great to be here, Alan. Thank you for having me. All right. And as I put in the, um, in the introduction, uh, you know, we get questions that come in. We want to be able to do the research to find the answers. And your book, Creative Together, Sparking Innovation in the New World of Work, seems like the perfect answer. Uh, so I'm so glad that you could join us to help not only the guest, or I'm sorry, not only the uh, listener that has sent in that question, but to come on as a guest that can answer these questions that a lot of other people are going through. Sure. Great to be here and look forward to our discussion. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I noticed uh, in regards to the book is that you broke it down into like three adventures. So please explain your thoughts and reasoning behind setting it up that way. Sure. Uh, the book, as you said, is is organized in three adventures. The first one is about uh, rethinking the story of what we believe about creativity, mm-hmm. what it is, how it shows up, and 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 when it shows up, and then rewriting the story about who I am as a creator. And so that's adventure one, and it, it's it's quite an inner journey 
uh, of exploration and discovery. And then the reason to engage in that inner journey is so that we can create more effectively out in the world. And so that's adventure two, uh, where we explore our creative style and how that may help or inhibit uh, getting creative together and uh, how we can get better at co-creating. Uh, because uh, the argument that I pose in Creative Together is we all have to get better at uh, collaborating and co-creating in this complex, difficult world that your 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 uh, listener who submitted the question was referring to. Adventure three is a springboard into daily practice, uh, getting more conscious about our using our creativity and and making a difference in the world with it uh, is a daily practice, not a destination. Now, one of the things that when I was going through the book that um, touched me was the kind of a comparison to uh, creativity and how it works with passion. And it made me think of the reason, <laughs> reasonably recent. Uh, I was going through a mall and there was a guy that opened up a new ice cream store. And what I loved most was his passion and his creativity because I, mean, I don't know that much about ice cream, but he knew a ton about it. And he was so passionate, as he told us, how he enjoyed, how he worked long hours, but he enjoyed the creativity of mixing certain things to come up with flavors that nobody had ever heard of. And I just thought, you know, that's just a really great example of, you know, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, I think it it really helps you with your creativity. Would you Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, and, and creativity gets activated by a meaningful purpose. Mm -hmm. And so this gentleman you're talking about had a meaningful purpose. And the fascinating thing about purposes that generate, that activate creativity is they can come from inside of us, like our own dreams and aspirations and desires and goals, uh, things we want to bring forward. And, but they can also come from outside of us. Like, right. you know, there's a global pandemic that's changing everything around us. So, it's it's really uh, important to be able to play on both sides of the of the coin to be able to bring my creativity consciously to bear on the things that I want to bring forward in the world, but also bring it to bear on my responses and and how how I meet challenges that that come to me. So I've been blessed with the fact that I've been able to work in industries that I feel passionate about. I've been able to to have jobs to where I uh, I'm making a positive difference in the world, and I'm just so thankful for that. I also know that that's not always the case. So, mm -hmm. what do you tell somebody that is in a job and uh, it it's paying the bills? You know, they're they're a good provider. They're they're providing for their family, and they for whatever reason they got into it. Um, they're they're there but they don't really have the passion. What would, what do you tell them to help make a shift to where um, it doesn't become something that, uh, you know, that it, they start thinking about as drudgery? Yeah. There's so many directions to go in with this. Uh, one is we could talk about how to be there and bring more fulfillment to work and life there. Uh, we could talk about making a shift and that usually involves stepping into the unknown and some kind of creative quest. I know I've been in that position many times and made many of those shifts crossing 
um, into different countries to work for years and, and changing jobs and leaving jobs that I, I was so unhappy. And yet, um, really, I was blaming everybody around me for not providing the, the thing that I wanted to have happen. So, you know, uh, taking responsibility and then venturing on this quest, which is a, a creative adventure. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest things is, am I moving away from something or am I moving towards something? And that will make a huge difference. I think you bring up a great point is the first part about it is, is if somebody's not happy there, why? And is there something else? In other words, could leaving that job actually be the best thing that ever happened to them? They just didn't see the other opportunities that are available to them. That's kind of what I hear you saying. Yeah, for example, in the in, in, if people are familiar with the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell and that whole framework, right? The hero has an experience um, of transformation that's kind of like the first adventure in the book. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, we return to the village, so to speak, and we have to decide, like, can we stay here? Uh, should we seek other places to, uh, to contribute, right? So, uh, you know, that, that's, it's such a personal decision that the fascinating thing is um, our creativity is really important in both of those. If we choose to stay, how can we bring our creativity more fully to what we're doing and to, and to get creative together with others there? Or um, if we decide to venture out, uh, how can we get, creative in that quest and and also engage with others and and make it a creative together thing instead of a me having to do it on my own thing. Well, and and I love that we're talking about creativity. Um, Now, in your book, you you refer to conscious creativity. What's your definition of constant of, of conscious creativity? And what is the biggest threat to it as you see it? Yeah, so for me, when I say conscious, I mean with intention and with attention. Hmm. And it, it's a pretty simple way to think about it. Um, so I'm using my creativity with intention. I'm using it proactively. Um, and, and then I'm using it with attention. I'm paying attention to how it's being received, uh, how the landscape of, of the world I'm creating into is evolving or changing or what it's feeding back to me, what I'm learning about myself and others, right? So mm-hmm. intention and attention is what, what I mean by uh, conscious creativity. And most of us are, are probably aren't even aware of how much our creativity is in play in any given day. What are some examples? Well, uh, you know, I talk about four levels our creativity shows up. And maybe this is sort of back to the originating question that you asked. Uh, we've all been using our creativity to rebound during these last three years and, and before, right? So mm-hmm. we, our creativity shows up when we need resilience and we need to rebound. And our creativity shows up when we need to adapt. Uh, new situations come up, new things show up on, on the horizon. We need to adapt. Uh, new challenges, right? Yep. Uh, these two uses of our creativity are a little bit more reactive, right? Where it, it's a, it's a slightly more reactive. On the proactive side, we can invent. And I think when most people think of creativity, they think about inventing new things, new approaches, new services, new products, and that kind of thing. And that's where maybe innovation, I mean, we can innovate at all of these levels, but 
that's where maybe our collective idea of what creativity and innovation is lives at this invent level. But then there's also disrupt. It's maybe the 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 fourth level. And so um, I think as people come, you know, think about where their creativity is showing up, that's one one thing to pay attention to. Like, oh, where am I rebounding? Where mm-hmm. am I bringing resilience? Where am I adapting? Where might I where might I have the opportunity to invent? Maybe I'm not actually capturing that opportunity or using it. And what would it mean to disrupt? Like what we've just talked about, like the changing jobs, you know, it, it can be quite a disruption if, if the job isn't already there and you're making a, an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you bring up the word uh, disruption, and that seems to be a big buzzword now, you know, that, you know, with many different industries and and even even pre-COVID, you know, that was the big thing is, is that. Um, people would say, well, you know, we're going to be a disruptor. We're going to change things. And I've had conversations with people that tell me, oh, you know, this is the greatest thing because I just learned that this other aspect of a similar product is poison, you know, or, you know, there's something that's bad about this. Mm-hmm. And then they'd say, you see, we're disrupting this. And and I said, well, first of all, understand that, um almost every product that comes out that's similar to something else has to say that they are somehow better and they have to say something bad about the other one. So before we jump into it and say that we're disrupting everything, you know, let's, let's get all the facts. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your thought on things like that when somebody's coming out with something new and they're, they say they're disrupting, what are some things that you think they should do? And what are some things that they shouldn't such as, putting down the other product, um, especially if it's not true. Hmm. Well, first, let me say that disrupting is is the most tricky of all of these uses of our creativity. Uh, it's often mired in all kinds of resistance and um, maybe viability challenges in the ecosystem and, and just like mm-hmm. all kinds of tough things happen when we're disrupting. It can happen uh, without being planned, like you know, the, the, the coronavirus, but when we try to generate a disruption, we're, we need to be prepared to meet with resistance, holding onto the status quo, all of these kinds of things. I was working with a life sciences company and they were going for a blue sky, you know, change the whole process, reinvent, rethink. Um, And they ran into resistance and issue and challenge and hurdle after another um, actually, what they realized was a high volume of smaller adaptations and uh, new approaches would yield them what they were after in terms of cost savings that they could pass on to, to patients, right? So sometimes we think disruption is sexy and yeah. people want to hear us say we're going we're gonna to disrupt. And it is the most challenging. And, and I encourage people to be really careful about where we aim when we're aiming to change the status quo and, and not to aim further than is needed for the purpose that we're after. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and to sort of mirror it back, if there are smaller changes that are going to achieve your goal, maybe that's as far as you go. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is creativity. Our creativity doesn't care where we apply it. 
it's agnostic of where we apply it. That's why it's always interesting to me when people think, oh, you know, I have to be in the arts or, or I have to be, you know, in, in marketing or advertising or, or whatever. It, it's, it's not domain specific. That's a myth. And it also doesn't care. I mean, there's been a lot of articles recently about, you know, hail the maintainers and we need to get back to execution. And, you know, execution is important, but our creativity shows up in execution. If I'm changing the light bulbs when they burn out, um, I can, uh, my creativity has just as much a place there as it is if I'm in, you know, inventing a new uh, product or service or looking for a molecule to help stop a, a you know, a disease that's threat, life-threatening. Um, well, one of the things that I, uh, that I saw in the book um, that I, and I really kind of liked the way that you, you worded it, but you, you talked about the, the gifted methodology um, share with our listeners a little bit about, you know, what are you referring to with that? Sure. Uh, the gifted methodology, uh, it's an acronym. Uh, greet the unknown with passion is the G. So greet the unknown with passion. I know I avoid the unknown if I can, right? None of us really like the unknown, but more and more we're living in a world where the unknown is increasing in its proportion yeah. to the known and and mm-hmm. to the certain, right? So um, how can I shift from greeting the unknown with dread to greeting the unknown with passion? And and that's the first part. And I think that that's understanding that uh, that these things we want to achieve, uh, where our creativity needs to come forward, um, put us on a quest, and we're going to have to enter the unknown. So that's the G. Greet the unknown with with passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I is for ignite creative potential. And in Creative Together, I talk about the new story and the old story of what creativity is. And many of us are walking around with this idea that creativity is an ability. It's kind of doled out in different degrees to different people. Uh, But actually, creativity is not an ability. It's a potential, which means that it shows up when we need it. And what changes is the circumstances not anything about us. Like I'm not less creative than or more creative than anybody else. It's all about the circumstances of my life and what would invite or or require my creativity. So that's I. So ignite creative potential okay. by understanding what it really is. F is flex your superpowers. Mm-hmm. So we have we have these incredible superpowers, like asking questions and taking creative license and overcoming obstacles and learning that amplify our creativity. So how can I flex those into what I'm working on? And the T is thrive in co-creation. And again, as I said earlier, the world is changing so much. We really need to be able to co-create real strength and sustainability of our, uh, of what we want to bring forward in the world will depend on co-creating more and more rather than going it alone. So thriving co-creation, what are the elements of co-creation? Um, how can I share leadership uh, with others at, in support of co-creation and so forth? Uh, so that's the T. E, mm-hmm. experiment in the swamp. When we change the status quo or challenge the status quo, we're going to make ripples, make waves. We're going to find ourselves in what I call the swamp. Uh, quicksand, mud, organizational sludge, as I call it. So how do you navigate that the sludge that's going to come up when we're trying to change the status quo? And then the D is for dare to dream big. And I suggest that we can apply our creativity to everyday challenges and opportunities. 
we can also apply it consciously and proactively to some of the biggest challenges we're facing. I love that. Uh, in fact, I mean, see, to me, this is something that should be taught in school. I mean, that would be that would be a um, probably a high school and a college course right there is, you know, I think that if we could get that information out and get young people uh, with that sort of focus, I mean, I, it would it would change a lot of things. Uh, I know that it, one of my pet peeves or whatever is, is that it appears as though, you know, our public school system is sort of dumbing down and trying to make sure that we just, that we just raise people that are only of a certain level. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know that it's as focused on how can we really, really focus on thriving? Yes. You know, and, uh, and as someone who's traveled all over the world, um, uh, you know, other countries are doing that. You know, their, their school systems are set up. It's interesting. I love, a, a, there's a, a um, John Maxwell has a saying that he says that I absolutely love. And he talks about the fact that when he was in school, he was terrible at math and he was so bad at math. So what the school decided that was best to do was he should spend 70% of his time on math until hmm. he gets it. So they they had him stop working on his speaking skills or his writing skills or his reading skills or his science skills, everything else and focus on math. And he said that finally, when he got to college, they went, oh, <clears throat> you know, you kind of got some bad marks in math, so you should probably take some more math classes. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to make so much money doing everything else that I know that I'm good at, that I will pay somebody to count my money. I don't need to take any more math classes. I love that. Let's yeah. focus on what we're good at. Focus on what we're good at. That's great. And yeah. each one of us brings unique talents and experiences and wisdom and so forth. I mean, that's what makes our creativity look different, right? But the, but the beauty of what you're saying is like, we don't have to ever compare ourselves to anybody else anymore. We don't have to separate, you know, those who have and those who are, you know, have less or anything like that. When creativity is really seen as a potential, it's um, there, there's no reason to, to separate any longer. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that this uh, you know, this separation is uh, rampant in the school system and the school system is one of the huge components of our life that shapes how we create out in the world. You know, we, our parents and our family, our school system, and some of our early, early jobs kind of set the stage for how we think creativity either does or doesn't show up in our lives and work. Well, which is one of the reasons why I love the fact that you spend so much time talking about co-creating, because again, you know, you may be a great manager and I might be a good marketer. And so let's not put me in a marketing position or you in a, in a management position or, or you in a, yeah, you in a management or yeah marketing position and put me in a management position if we know that we're great at the exact opposite. So in your book, when you talk about the co-creating, I, you know, what I took from it was, you know, find that person that's good at whatever that is and work with them as a team and let them work on what they're great at. 
Absolutely. I mean, what you're talking about essentially is diversity and how that diversity uh, uh, in, in all of its forms um, is, is like an amplifier and accelerator of, of creativity and getting creative together. Uh, yeah, for sure. And what I'm seeing is more and more teams are coming together across functions, across boundaries, um, competitors coming together to think about how they can serve uh, you know, customers differently. I'm starting to see a movement uh, of breaking down some of these barriers um, and, and moving a little bit more towards value co-creation rather than value capture. And we, we've been in a world where it's been all about value capture. And, and I'm not going to say that's not important because it is, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, where are the opportunities where we can, where we can co-create the value together? And that's going to require us to work differently. And that's kind of the crux of Adventure 2 in the book is like, what do I need to know about if I'm actually going to be creating with people who might have different priorities than me? So we're in a situation where we have competing priorities, potentially, different expertise coming in, different points of view. How do we make that sing? How do we make that successful mm-hmm. instead of a disaster? Well, yeah, and and I hope that uh, I hope that Robert from Los Angeles that had sent the initial question, you know, is listening. Um, and I know part of the concern was uh, hiring and keeping good people. Mm-hmm. Um, with what you're talking about with co-creating, maybe it's maybe you're going to be able to keep people a little better if you ask them what they're good at, ask mm-hmm. them what their passion is, what part of your business, and I. Unfortunately, it didn't say what type of business, but, you know, you know, maybe you have somebody in that's working, you know, along a a factory um, line to do something. And yet they might be the person that has a great marketing mind. You know, so so I think that, you know, maybe the first thing that Robert could do is, first of all, read the book because it explains a lot of these things, but see about you know, how you can take in these other people's information and maybe if they help you co-create, they're going to help you find some of the answers you're looking for. Absolutely. I might add two things uh, maybe to help out as well. One is uh, how can we make uh, together a shared purpose for our creativity to come out? Because creativity is one of those like high self-actualizing kind of things. We it, it's It's something that we all like self-actualization. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs, right? Mm-hmm. It's there at the top. It's like something we all want to be a part of, right? So if I'm a business owner and I haven't somehow with the folks who are working with me uh, created a purpose for my for people's creativity to show up, um, I'm missing out on this incredibly powerful uh, force that we have available to us. You know, if we're not improving things, we're going to fall behind because the rest of the world is going forward, right? So if we think, oh, you know, I I, I don't have to improve things. I don't have to create new value. um, We're going to fall behind. So people love that. And they, the, the second thing, so give them a purpose or shape that even better, shape that purpose with them. Uh And then second, recognizing progress. And and one of my uh, good friends and colleagues over at Harvard, Teresa Amabile, wrote a great book also called The Progress Principle. And she talks about how uh, most managers will rate the recognition of progress or recognizing progress 
uh, one of the lowest motivators. In fact, it's the top motivator for people. So helping people um, craft together a meaningful purpose and then recognizing progress towards that purpose. Like, I see you. I know what pro- I know you're making progress on this. Things might be hard, but you know I'm going to bring in a pizza. I'm going to stay a little late and talk, you know, or or give you a little you know, resources or whatever it is. I'm acknowledging and recognizing progress. So those two things together are really powerful. I love it. We're speaking with Stephen Kowalski and his new book Creative Together: Sparking Innovation in the New World of Work. So stay with us. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to or watching Answers Network. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, Westshield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. We are talking with Stephen Kowalski, and we are talking about how you can help your work environment thrive, you know? So there's just, uh, I think that's the best way to kind of explain the book is there is, you know, so many great things, but it really focuses on creating it together. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, You have some examples that you use, but, you know, if you can share, just share some examples where, uh, business owners have been in a situation to where they've done it this way for so long and it was successful until it wasn't. And and the mm-hmm. things that they needed to do to recognize that the world has changed and the changes that they've made that have not only uh, continued their success, but actually helped them to thrive even further. I, I'd love to talk about sharing leadership in the context of this question, but I also want to talk about uh, delegating and empowering and accountability, because I think this is actually kind of at the crux of it. Uh, As leaders become more and more senior in their career and move up the ladder, they get further and further away from the work. And as new folks come in, as we get fresh eyes, uh, there's so many different ways to go about things. And Uh, those leaders who are able to empower to actually share the leadership with our, uh, you know, years ahead of so many others who are hanging on to control or gatekeeping or playing power dynamics and command and control, right? So part of co-creation is sharing leadership and part of sharing leadership 
is empowering others. And there are some do's and don'ts and watch outs to empowering others, right? Uh-huh. I can't swoop back in. I can't empower you and then swoop back in later and, and take over, right? That, that, then it, it's over, right? And I, but I also don't want to empower you to sort of lock yourself in a room and figure out what you want to do, right? So there's all kinds of uh, conversations to be had about how we cast a wide net for input when we're making a decision that might include me as a leader, but not be exclusive to me, like my opinion drives your decision, right? So um, empowering is tricky. It has to come with accountability. It can't be without accountability. Uh, but I think this is one of the keys to sharing leadership is, is if you are in a position of power, people are going to look to you for either answers or approval or whatever. And in some cases, that's the, that's correct, you know, in, in how things should go. But in so many more cases, so much more room to open up degrees of freedom and let people make decisions and then embrace those decisions and see it as a whole process of iteration rather than necessarily people have to get the answer completely right the first time. We could talk about iteration and experiment yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I think I, one of the examples that I personally uh, have for this, and I'm, I'm so thankful, is what one of my sons uh, has taken over one of my companies. And uh, very recently, um, he asked me to fill in for him at a particular conference that was coming up out of state. And he said, look, I'm really busy. Can you do this? And uh, and of course I did. But um what I've had to learn, you know, as, as he has now taken it over and has had it now for a couple of years has been, um, you know, in other words, wait till I'm asked mm-hmm. and then uh, answer the question that I'm asked, not, um, you know, okay, yeah, I can do this. And here's how we're going to do it. You know, it's just yeah. this. And, and there's a little story that goes with it, but many years ago, 10, 12 years ago or whatever, when I first started taking my son to some of the conferences, he would come up to me afterwards and he would say, dad, everybody that I meet, when I go up and introduce myself, they go, oh, you must be Alan's kid. And he's, and, and I could tell it's like, can I have my own identity, you know, mm. type of thing. This last conference that I just went to last week, um, I introduced myself to some younger people that that I didn't know. And one of them says to me, oh, you must be Chase's dad. Mm. And I went, yes. (laughs) And I immediately called him and said, I want you to know that now when I go to these things, because you're the one that's been going the last few years. So now they look at it and go, oh. You must be Chase's dad. So we've heard of you, but the identity is with him. Yes. Um, you know, and I yeah. think that's important when with in any situation and work is, you know, let somebody not only use their their own creativity to co-create, but to have their own identity, to give credit where credit's deserved, I think will go a long way as well. Absolutely. It's so important to know let, letting go is not necessarily easy, but that's a huge part of sharing leadership is knowing when to let go, when to step forward, uh, you know, and 
I, I heard a, a senior leader say, well, they asked for my input and I gave it to them and then they didn't take it. And this was like a horrible thing. Like, why did they even ask? And, yeah. and uh, you know, we have to move away from that mentality. Right. So one of the things I practice, you yeah. know, when I'm working with groups is uh, empowering teams and, and folks to, who are bringing iterations of their work forward uh, to share that. And then the, the folks who are there to give input, provide input as both either appreciations or considerations. And I love the considerations frame. And it's really funny to watch people who are, are just trying to figure this out because they'd say, I'd like you to convince, I'd like you, I'd like, uh, would you consider doing it my way, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And they phrase the consideration as a question. And the trick there is to phrase it as a statement, an offer, a gift, Mm-hmm. And then the appropriate response for the folks who are receiving that is thank you. And so there's learning on both sides, right? How do I receive somebody's input or consideration as a gift and say either thank you or mo- many people go into defending and explaining. And, and the answer at that point, if I'm truly empowered, is thank you. We'll take that under consideration. Under consideration, yes. No, I, I and I agree. And, and I've also been in that same situation to where they've asked the team that's now running things have asked for my input on something. And I gave my input and they thanked me and went a different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not married to that. I'm not, you know, that's, you know, you know, I was thankful that it was part of the conversation and there might've been some pieces of it that were used and other pieces that weren't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm very comfortable with that. And I think that's a, but a big thing as you bring up about, uh, leaders that are sort of running towards the end of their, uh, their particular course. Um, so yeah, the, the part about empowering, I think is huge. Um, I know one of the things that, that you talk about and, and really, and I love the fact that, you know, you, you say how important it is to, to develop a profound faith in your own creativity, mm-hmm. it, it, explain for our audience what you mean by that and and what people can do um, in regards to the, the to have more faith in their own creativity because I think there's a lot of people that have been told for so long, you know, just do it this way or just mm-hmm. do this. And I think they kind of lose faith in it. So w- what are some things that we can do to for people to feel better about it so that they feel more comfortable about speaking up about the ideas that they do have. Yeah. First I'll say um, this can get beat out of us, right? You know, Mm -hmm. one of the circumstances, the circumstances that give rise to creativity happen both in my being and out in the world. Right. So I can be in an environment that's not asking for it, or I can be in an environment that stamps it out and, and, and sort of every, every idea is, you know, uh, challenged and combated, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's the way you do it. Right. Right. Um, and, and I can also be holding myself back with what I call in the book, CDD creativity disruption disorder, which is I'm disrupting my own creativity because I'm, I'm not believing in it. I don't, really know what it is. I'm not paying attention. And I don't even know all the ways that I'm creating every day. So first thing is to to building faith in my creativity or trust, you know, whatever word you want to use 
and which is critical if I'm going to enter the unknown. Mm -hmm. right? First step is, is to see the, see my creativity in action all around me. Um, and, and we often have narrow definitions about how it and when it shows up. So we don't notice it. So paying attention and noticing is critical. And then I started like, oh, wow, you know, I, I came up with a new approach or I had to work around that obstacle or, you know, like, like that's my creativity. Um, mm -hmm. It's there. And then using it more consciously, the more I use it, the more conscious, the more, the more with more intention and attention I can bring to it, the more I will develop a trust and, and, and faith. And when I, when I hit that huge challenge, I just moved from the Bay Area to Jacksonville, Florida, and it was a huge journey that required my creativity at every step of the way. And I have to say, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years, 30, 40 years. I still struggled. There were times when I got stuck in, you know, in my victim drama triangle mindset or, or I was blaming others or I was thinking I was stuck in, a, in something that I couldn't get out of. So, you know, I work this, I try to work this every day and I'm still learning. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing journey to get more conscious, uh, you know, and to develop that faith in our, in our creativity uh, that gives me some measure of comfort uh, so I can meet the unknown with passion instead of dread. Well, we have a, uh, a listener question that came in. And again, I want to thank those that take the time. Um, we had somebody that did a study of our listenership. And one of the things that we learned was that we had a lot of teachers. And so we get a lot of teachers and they'll, they'll put their question in and they'll say, I'm putting this in now because I'm teaching during the middle of the day every time you're doing your show live. So I would like to get these questions in. So anyway, so we now tell people, please send them in ahead of time. We send out a, um, you know, a press release that says who's going to be coming up. So if you have questions, please send them in ahead. And this is one of them. And this one reads, my daughter is such a creative inspiration to all of those she meets. In her second year of college, she started a small pastry business with several friends. After graduation, they now have a location near campus and, and own the most popular coffee slash snack bar in the city. The key to her success was her belief that combined traditional with creative touches, which was important. Um, I really encourage young people to look at this model and look forward to uh, share your book with my daughter. So grateful to see Uplifting Dialogue to encourage and support our future. What do you think of this concept and what might you add to help them to greater success? And this is from Adriana in Texas. Hmm. Well, thanks for the question, Adriana. Uh, the first thing that occurs to me is we don't often play with different combinations of, of what we want to bring forward into the world. And let me give you an example. Like there's a service that's combined with a message that's combined with a customer or, or audience. Right. And so I, I might, you know, if I'm, if I'm starting a business, I might pick what I think is the right three of those, this service for these customers with this message or narrative of value, value mm -hmm. narrative. Right. And I don't experiment with all kinds of different methods or services like mixing it up. So what I hear in some of this is, that the the listener's daughter 
mixed things up and found a combination where there was desirability, not only not mm-hmm. only feasibility, but desirability and viability in the response you got, right? So if I'm not getting the response I want, how can I start to play, slightly alter the message, maybe same service, different mm-hmm. value narrative, different customers, uh, and, and shaping this up? So that I, I think that's really um, a, an important, because creativity, you know, we want to play with it. We want to play with the system and we want to find mm-hmm. the play in the system, and there, a lot of business is is about that intersection of of playing with the system and play, and finding the play within the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, and, and and I agree. But yeah, I, I think that what she's saying is is that you know there were some traditional things that they thought would work, yeah. but they they added in their own creativity and found somehow the combination that succeeded. Maybe because they started out. Um, you know, near a campus, they focused on the fact that, okay, we're going to go directly towards the college kids and what they're going to want on their way to or from class or school or something. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, and and that's it. But but it is really important for the listeners to realize they found a great uh, formula. Things might change. They might have to adjust that somehow. And and like that's, you know, remember, it's not only rebounding, but also adapting and inventing, um, ultimately disrupting. But uh, how can we bring our creativity forward and Uh and not get complacent? Uh, but really keep our eye on what's happening. Uh, I had a, a colleague uh, who once said, what part of our strategy is melting faster than the rest of our strategy? And if I you think- imagine an ice cube and yeah. I, I was going to say, I think that's the ice cream guy that I talked to. <laughs> Could be the ice cream guy. Which, which flavors are melting faster and what do I do about that? But, you know, our strategies, our business strategies uh, are in in exchange with the world around us right so some part of what we're doing may be melting the value or the, that we can derive from that might be melting faster than others and uh if we're not paying attention we might get caught sort of um you know unaware yeah we've got another question that came in this one seems very similar to uh the initial question that we came in but there might be a little something that you can add it says starts off with i'm anxious to get a copy of your book and it says, um, I need help introducing some enthusiasm at our company. We uh, we struggled during the lockdown. And uh, now that we're back up and running, we're having a hard time attracting people who are serious about working. And with our margins being shrunk drastically, it's also difficult keeping the good employees happy. I hope you can give us some examples of what we can do. My partner and I are all ears. And this is from Brandon in Michigan. Yeah, this makes me think about sort of some of the key things that motivate people. And the pursuit of competence is a huge driver for us. Yeah. So how can we make this, uh, this opportunity for potential employees a place where they feel like they're going to grow, uh, you know, and, and expand and develop expertise that they can use in, in, in the future, right? So it, you know, if we're not capturing the value out of a place where you can grow and thrive, right? I think we're we're missing something. And then the other one is is freedom. Like, how is this place going to um, affect my freedom, my right, my my freedom to operate? 
Am I going to be controlled? Um, am I going to be told what to do? Am I going to, you know, be, is it going to be routine? And, you know, and, and what, are, what are my degrees of freedom here? And, and this, all, this is often another challenge when we shift managers or our department goes through a restructuring. You know, how is it going to impact my freedom? And how is it going to impact my ability to develop competence? And so I might encourage the, the listener to sort of squeeze some juice out of these two motivators. Uh, they're really important motivators for us. All right. I love it. Um, the time has flown by. Uh, so first of all, can I can I say that, I mean, the book can be got wherever books are sold. Um, I think it's, you know, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble, or again, I bring up constantly. Uh, in most cases, if you go to your local bookshop, and if they don't have it there, in this day and age, they can order it and have it in there very quickly for you. You could probably yes. call them, and they'll have it there waiting for you. Yes, and uh, on on my website, stephenkowalski.com, there's a page dedicated to the book with links to all the online retailers uh, here and overseas, even. Uh, so there's some easy, easy access and some choice there if uh, if you don't have a favorite online retailer. OK, which is great. Uh, and by the way, so that's that's Stephen with S-T-E-V-E-N, because there's two ways to spell Stephen and Kowalski, K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I dot com, just like it sounds. <laughs> yep. So there's Stephen, also a, lot of, a lot of resources there that are in addition and tied to the book for folks. Yes. And if you're driving and you can't write that down, I will make sure that all of this is in our show notes uh, or I'll make sure that it's there at our site at answers.network. I'll make sure that we have uh, Stephen's site listed there. So if you're driving, don't try to remember it. Just check back in with us. We'll make sure that it's there for you. Stephen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, and I think that there's a lot of people out there that um, that can benefit quite a bit from the book, because I think we are in a time in which, especially after having gone through COVID, that a lot of the smaller businesses uh, and medium sized businesses have really taken a hit. And if you're not staying up with the times and doing some of the things that Stephen talks about in this book, it's not going to get much easier. Hmm. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. All right, Stephen, take care. For everybody out there, be with us next week when we're going to be joined by the author of How to Do Parenting with Confidence. Uh, So again, this show used to be called Answers for the Family because we did a lot of things as it relates to parenting. We're going to have that again next week. So please plan on being with us. And also um, visit our archives at answers.network. Or just subscribe to the show. And you can do it through Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Rumble, Spreaker, and so many more. Um, if you are uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please stop by our page. Check out some of our latest posts. If you like them, please like us and spread the word. For everybody out there, be good human beings and be with us again next week on Answers Network. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on L.A. Talk Radio.